Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. friends and welcome indeed to the Seeker Podcast, that service of change where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. On this episode of the Seeker Podcast, we're going to be exploring advancements in space and up and coming technology that will be available in the almost immediate future. The future is now. Is it in our best interest with some of the stuff coming out in robotics AI and beyond. It's a subject that has uh, become near and dear to my heart, just something that's very interesting to me as we're watching it unfold in the news in front of us every single day. Before we do that, a couple commercials. First, I'd like to say that Steven Spielberg and I think alike. The great Steven Spielberg thinks just like me, or I should say I think just like him. I'm excited to see that. Actually, the reason why I'm saying that, I came across an article entitled Spielberg's Pentagon Papers to Bring Back Patriotism and Whistleblowing Smack in the Middle of Awards Season. This is from awardsdaily.com, April 22nd, 2017. I'm drawing this out because I did a whole show on the Pentagon Papers about a month ago, for those of you that caught it. It's about the whistleblower during the Vietnam War that uncovered the secret war that was launched and the lies that were told to drag us into and through the Vietnam conflict, the Vietnam War. Uh, and Spielberg has, uh, is in the process of creating a movie highlighting that and what happened with it. So you can check out this article, talks about that, but I, high-fiving myself on that one. And why am I saying that? I mean, I'm, I'm joking here, tongue-in-cheek. But in all reality, there's there, it's important to understand, that was my whole point of doing that show, is it's important to understand the history of how lies were told to drag us into war because I've been this has been my theme for the last two months. Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it, and I can't get over the parallels I'm seeing between, like I, like I said, I'm teaching World War One right now, and I taught Vietnam, and, and what's going on in the news today. I'm not going to go through that again. I've covered that in my last couple episodes. Go back, check them out in the archives at servicechange.com, on SoundCloud, or on iTunes. Quick commercial for you content creators out there, whether you're a podcaster, a blogger, an author, an artist, a comic strip creator, whatever your medium may be, if you're interested in the stuff that we're putting out here at Service of Change, there is a new 
platform in the works with multiple collaborators, strength in numbers. We are looking for you. We're looking for your help. If you have a message that's in line with the things that we're talking about, searching for the truth, the honest reporting of things that are going on, whether it's metaphysics, whether it's spiritual, whether it's politics, government, ancient history, whatever it may be, Get in touch with me at serviceofchange.com. Let me know what your area of interest or expertise is. And uh, we're looking for you to join our team. More to come on that. i got to meet with my, my partner in crime on that one. And we'll have some official announcements coming out once we can get uh, our schedules lined up and start talking about it. But the website has been secured. The platform is in the process of being built. There is room for you if you have something to say and are interested. The main thing we're looking for is honesty and a commitment to put out content, whether that commitment is once a week, twice a month, or even once a month. We just want something steady from you. Let me know. Get in touch at serviceofchange.com. All right, some interesting things. This is all open source stuff that I've been coming across this week. Uh, Actually, one more caveat before I get into some of these stories. To those of you that have been sending me emails, thank you so very much. I've had some powerful stories come from you, my listeners and my readers. Uh, A couple of you have connected after reading my free ebook, I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are. Thank you so very much for taking the time to write and to share. I have received your emails. It's been a hectic couple of weeks. I'm in the process of getting back to each of you. Please be patient. Uh, I, I promise I am working on getting back to you. It's, it's just been been busy on my end. But I have read them. I'm amazed at the stories you've told me. I'd love to have you on the air if you're willing to talk about your experiences and the things that you've shared with me. So uh, look for that email in your inbox. Hopefully within the next week, I'll be able to get that nailed down. So thank you very much. Again, as always, if you have something to say, you want to reach out, hit me up, serviceofchange.com. There's a contact tab right there and you can get in touch. All right, this one comes from the New York Post, April 25th, 2017. The title, Aliens May Have Existed in Our Solar System Long Before Us. This is by Jasper Hamill of the Sun. The solar system that humanity calls home may have once been inhabited by an extinct species of space-faring aliens, a top scientist has suggested. A space scientist has suggested ancient extraterrestrials could have lived on Mars, Venus, or even Earth before disappearing without a trace. In a fascinating academic paper about prior indigenous technological species, James T. Wright from Pennsylvania State University raised the fascinating possibility that evidence of these extinct aliens could exist somewhere in the solar system. Wright is an astronomer who received global attention after suggesting an, quote, alien megastructure had been spotted in orbit around a distant star. Those you remember, I covered this a while ago. Now the stargazer has said advanced aliens may have left behind technosignatures for us to find if only we knew where to look for them. I'm going to pause that right there and just give my thoughts on that. You know, we talk about, number one, let's make the obvious connection. Uh, You know, if you've listened to my David Wilcock, Corey Good, um, and who's the other one, Tom DeLonge shows that I've been talking about. One of the things David Wilcock said is that we're going to start getting drips and drabs, information coming out in secondary mainstream outlets talking about ancient civilizations and Antarctica and the discovery of artifacts. Is this article a primer for that? Are we, is Wilcock right? Are we getting ready to find that there are ancient structures on Antarctica of an advanced civilization that is no longer here, that was technologically, technologically advanced and not human? I don't know. It, it's a big jump, but we're starting to see more stories in the mainstream. This is semi-mainstream here. New York Post is a big time, uh, you know, 
outlet there to cover a story like this. And this guy is a pretty big deal, this this uh, astronomer who's discovering this stuff. So if we can get the people if we can get people who are closed minded to be open to the possibility that okay well a very long time ago aliens could have existed on this planet or other if they were terrestrial they weren't aliens they were just a more advanced or distant species if they existed here and then were wiped out there'd be no trace of them and it goes into explaining why there might not be any trace of them on the earth just because of the way the earth changes over time point being then it's not that much of a leap for society to make to go from yeah, okay, long before man was here, something else was here, to, well, that something else was here survived a little bit longer than we thought, that something else that was here left traces, left left ruins, left technology, and then it's going to be, oh, actually, some of them still survived. I mean, maybe it's possibly that it's going that way. I can't say for sure, but we are seeing some indicators. If you haven't listened to my other shows, those are ones you want to go back and listen to. Some of my WikiLeaks stuff, some of my Tom DeLonge stuff, uh, and the David Wilcock and Corey Good shows. You can find them all in the archives on all of my available platforms. Check it out. Now, the next thing it says is they may have left behind techno signatures. For us, well, I, before reading any further, one of the things I want to think about is techno technology technology signatures. We hear all this stuff about the Earth grid and the Earth's mag, the electromagnetic field and this uh, akashic records that people are able to access. What if that is an information? What I mean, what if this? there's an information system out there, which I know that there is. That's the, the crux of my research, is the electromagnetic field that allows us to tap into some kind of information system, some universal system. Some people call it divine. Some people call it God. Some people call it the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is. I call it, the, it's like the human Wi-Fi internet that connects us to the universe. What if that is some form of advanced ancient technology? And the more we're advancing as humans with our own tech and our own artificial intelligence, the more I think we're going to realize that such a thing may be possible. That there is some kind of universal Wi-Fi internet that we're able to connect to simply through our biology because our biology may in fact be some advanced yet primitive form of technology if we were genetically engineered, if you prescribe to that. Now, let, let me go back to this article here. A prior indigenous technological species might have arisen on Earth or in other bodies, such as pre-greenhouse Venus or a wet Mars, he wrote. However, most of the archaeological evidence of an ancient civilization would probably have been lost. And he said most of the archaeological evidence. Earth's plate tectonics would have effectively erased the traces of a civilization that lived billions of years ago. Venus is in the grip of a severe greenhouse effect and also undergoes similar resurfacing that would scour it clean of artifacts. This just leaves a handful of places where archaeologists might find traces of a lost extraterrestrial civilization. Remaining indigenous technosignatures might be expected to be extremely old, limiting the places they might still be found to beneath the surfaces of Mars and the Moon or in the outer solar system, Wright added. He said alien evidence was likely to be buried beneath the ground, allowing it to survive asteroid impacts. Structures buried beneath surfaces might survive and be discoverable as long as they do not suffer a collision so severe that their artificial nature is obliterated. Now, let's add to that, maybe buried under how many feet or miles of ice frozen in Antarctica. That, that's my words, not the articles, but hey, it's, it's possible. 
Uh, I'm skipping around a little bit here, but it says the astronomers suggested that very old spaceships could still be lingering in the asteroid belt or Kuiper belt, a disk at, at the very edge of the solar system that's made up of icy objects. This is a fascinating read. Again, nothing's been found, but it's saying, hey, there's the possibility here. And what this does is it takes skeptics and it opens up their minds to, wow, well, maybe that is something possible. So if you hear it, something is discovered, people are going to be less likely then to, uh, to go against it. Now, there was another article. Where is it here? Speaking of space now, this one should have us all, I'd say, a little bit concerned here. This comes from us from Dan Seitz, senior contributor, 42417. This is from uprox.com. An asteroid was spotted mere hours before barely missing Earth. For a long time, we've been obsessed with the idea that an asteroid will come along and smash us to oblivion. Every year, there's another death asteroid that turns out to be nothing. That said, if there ever is a death asteroid, not even NASA thinks they'll be able to spot it in time, let alone a team of oil riggers aloft to, to destroy it Michael Bay style. It's talking about Armageddon the movie. And a newly discovered asteroid that nearly creamed the planet is a good illustration of the problem. Now, this has happened a couple times, which concerning in the past, I'd say, two months, we've had two or three of these near misses. Back to the article, the good news is that 2017 HV2 was only about 21 feet across, which isn't big enough to destroy the world. That'll have to be 50 or 60 mile wide whopper. The bad news is that it nearly hit Earth, and we had no idea it was coming until just hours before it showed up. 2017 HV2 passed within 0.33 of the lunar distance to Earth. That is, it was closer to Earth than the moon was. It missed, of course, but it's a little worrying that we didn't know about it for so long. Okay, I'm, I want to draw attention back to the Farsight Institute. I covered, they're doing the Time Cross Project where one month prior, they're predicting the next month's news. One of their predictions which was a major asteroid strike here on Earth that actually hit and didn't destroy the whole planet, but it wiped out a significant area on the planet. Did something change? Did they predict this and somehow this asteroid was redirected? I don't know. But that, to me, is a very odd coincidence that we had no warning for this. We saw it just hours before it was passing between us, and it was that close to Earth. Or is this a precursor that there's something else, there's a, a string of these things, and something else is going to impact in the in the near future? Again, I'm not fear-mongering. I am looking at evidence. This just happened. The Farsight Institute predicted it. They have credibility in the predictions that they're making. Check out their links. They're always on my show notes that I'm showing the stuff that they're doing. So it's just something for us to think about. And again, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy. I know lately I've been covering some heavy stuff. There's some heavy stuff going on in the media. We need to be aware of what's going on so we can formulate a plan to adapt and overcome and not just survive, but to thrive. Okay, so I, I found that really interesting. All right, sticking with the space theme right now, this next one comes to us from the dailymail.co.uk. China states, we will soon build a village on top of the moon. China is in talks with Europe about launching a lunar settlement. Okay, China is talking with the European Space Agency about collaborating on a human settlement on the moon. The Secretary General for China's Space Agency, Tian Yelong, disclosed the talks today in Chinese state media. The ESA has previously described its moon village as a potential international launching pad for future missions to Mars. Further details on the collaboration could entail uh, were not revealed, but last year the head of the ESA elaborated on plans to build a village on the moon. 
The first space travel needs a new vision, said John Werner. The concept is a base for lunar exploration by humans and robots, which would act as a, as a stopover for spacecraft and become a village with mining and even tourism. It seems inevitable that expansion into space is coming. Advancements in technology is coming. That's why at the beginning of the show I said the future is now because as a kid I'd think about the future. You'd think about all this high-tech gadget gear, robots, which I'm going to get into in a minute, and traveling in through space. Now, I, I want to go off on a, on a tangent here because space seems to, ha- to be a, a hot button now in the independent media and the alternative media uh, you know, with some of the stuff that I've been covering, you know, you look at the Wilcox stuff and the Tom DeLonge stuff, and and uh, th- there's talk of secret space programs and of advanced hidden technology. Some of it, they say, is back-engineered extraterrestrial technology. Some of it is just advanced human technology. Uh, you know, but some of the some of the accounts or testimony state that we have been to the moon. There are uh, ancient structures of alien bases. On the moon. I mean, that's that's one of the schools of thought right now that ties into the Antarctica stuff. The Corey Good, um, you know, statements say that he's been to the. I think he said he's been to the moon, but there's craft that regularly take people back and forth, and that there's whole colonies already on the moon. So we have that line of thought. Then we have China sitting there publicly saying, "Well, they're going to build their own colony on the moon." So a couple thoughts come to mind. Number one. It, if there is a secret space program, does China not know about it? Or if there is a secret space program and China knows about it, why are they putting up this deception? Is if they don't know about it, do they plan on making an announcement saying, hey, there is a colony up here that we found? I mean, we could go in a thousand different directions on this. I'm not going to beat it up too much. But it's a dizzying thing because I'm trying to look at as many sources as I can. But you have this one uh, camp, let's say, that says, hey, yes, there is in fact a secret space program and we're more advanced than we let the public realize. Then you have another school of thought that says, well, we've never even been to the moon. The whole, the moon landing was fake. Now, there are people in the fake moon landing camp who do acknowledge that, well, maybe we, if we were to the moon, it was through the secret space program. But then there's others who say, well, we just don't have the technology. I was listening to a speaker today on uh, the higher side chats. Was it higher side? Yeah, the higher side chats. Uh, Maximo, Maximilio, he was with, talking to Greg Carlwood about all his documentaries. It's the guy that created uh, Cancer, the Forbidden Cures. His name's escaping me right now. Really intelligent guy. I, I really respect this guy as a filmmaker. And what he was saying was that as a professional photographer, he looked at the moon landing uh, video and footage and said, you know, it was a hoax. There's no way that that footage was of the actual moon landing. He said, I'm not saying they didn't go to the moon later, but those videos and films that we see, he said, absolutely are 100% are not authentic moon landing videos. Then he was talking about the Van Allen bounce. Now, this is something that I'm going to need to do a lot more research on before I can talk intelligently on it, but it might be a good point of research for you. If you have more information, please throw it my way. But apparently, we didn't have the, the technology or the protective gear to get us through the Van Allen radiation belts at the time when they went through them, allegedly, and landed on the moon. Uh, so at this point, I just don't know what to believe because, well, there's so many opposite stories. I mean, and then obviously the third the third camp of this is that, uh, in fact, we did go to the moon. And the official story is correct. I don't know which one to believe. I have not researched this yet. It's just interesting to look at because this stuff gets in my head and it confuses me, and they all sound, you know, in their own light, equally convincing. Some a little bit more extreme than others. I mean, uh, you know, with the secret space program, I haven't seen quote evidence. I've heard testimony, but. Uh, I don't know. I need to do more homework on it. But the, I'm explaining this in a dizzying fashion on purpose because 
it gets all jumbled up and we kind of have to try to figure it out. So what I'm looking at is, well, what's playing out in the mainstream right now? The mainstream is there is a focus towards space. They want us looking to space. Are they, and they're gradually making it more accessible to us. So are they going to eventually release some of this information? Are we being prepared for that? I, I don't know, but I think we're going to see a lot more excitement toward the skies. I could go on forever, but I feel like I'm just kind of confusing myself and probably all of you out there listening. Okay, let's jump into some tech here. I have a uh, story that just came across my way. It's called Eerie Tech Promises to Copy Anyone's Voice from Just One Minute of audio. This comes to us from thenextweb.com. Reading from the article, it's, it quotes, I'm not sure how I feel about the upcoming launch of Montreal-based Learbird's new service. The company says its API will let you synthesize speech in anyone's voice from just a minute-long recording, which means you could, for instance, generate a clip of President Trump declaring war on Canada. Learbird has posted some audio examples that sound pretty convincing, the company says that it doesn't require the speaker to say the words that you'll use the voice to speak in the audio you generate. And it'll also be able to generate different intonations. Now, I'll have the link up in the show notes here. I say check this out because they have some samples. And if you listen carefully, you can say, well, it doesn't sound identical to Donald Trump's voice, but it's pretty darn close of what they're saying. So this scares me. I don't see a benefit for this unless you're using it for deceptive purposes. So this is this one makes me a little worried. And again, I, I can't help but to make the comparison because we're here, little pieces there to put a big picture together of Skynet. And I know it sounds crazy, but we're watching this stuff unfold in front of us right now. I'm just thinking back to every Terminator movie, but I, I, just about every Terminator movie. At some point in those movies, there's a scene where somebody's talking on the phone. They, John Connor thinks he's talking to his mom or somebody thinks they're talking to somebody else. And then the camera pans out from the phone. And who is it? But it's Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator or it's the T-1000 mimicking somebody else's voice because they spoke to them briefly and were able to copy their, their vocal signatures and replicate their voice. Is that where this is going? Think about how this can be used for deceptive purposes for so many scams out there, as if there's not enough stuff out there to scam us as it is. But it gets even weirder and more concerning. And here we go. Now this one, this is one of those, it's a double-edged sword. This comes to us from The Independent. Scientists create artificial womb that could save premature babies' lives. Researchers rule out possibility new device will spell end of conventional pregnancy. All right, now let's, let's look into this a little bit more. Extremely premature babies could be kept alive in, in future using an artificial womb that scientists plan to test in humans after a successful study involving unborn lambs. A plastic bag filled with artificial amniotic fluid, the nutrient-rich liquid that sustains a fetus in the womb, allowed fetal lambs to develop at an age equivalent to 23 weeks in humans. Human infants born at 23 weeks have just a 15% chance of survival, according to the pregnancy research charity Tommy's. This rises to 55% at 24 weeks, while babies born at 25 weeks have an 80% chance of survival. Premature babies are often placed in incubators to help to keep them warm, but the new invention closely replicates conditions in a real womb, scientists at the Center for Fetal Research at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia have said. That's my hometown. This system is potentially 
far superior to what hospitals can currently do for a 23-week-old baby born at the cusp of viability, said Dr. Alan Flake, the center's director. These infants have an urgent need for a bridge between the mother's womb and the outside world. If we can develop an extra uterine system to support growth and organ maturation for only a few weeks, we can dramatically improve outcomes for extremely premature babies. Inside the device, the infant's own heart circulates blood through the umbilical cord into an external gas exchange machine, taking the place of the mother's placenta, while synthetic amniotic fluid enriched with nutrients flows in and out of the temperature-controlled near-sterile biobag. No mechanical pump is used because even gentle artificial pressure could fatally overload an undeveloped, or I'm sorry, an underdeveloped heart. I, my brain's going in two directions on this one. The first being, I, my wife and I just had our third child a month ago. And I remember getting to week 23 and talking about this, saying, well, she's at 23 weeks now, so now... Now's the point where they would even, this is where they would try to save the baby's life is at 23 weeks. You know, and it was a milestone for us and it was a bit of a relief for us because we're saying, okay, we've made it this far. There's a good chance that our baby's going to make it because it's scary sometimes when, when you're pregnant. You know, we have, we have a miscarriage in our family. Uh, so that thought was in our head as we're going through this. So I'm thinking from that perspective. I'm, I'm remembering when my daughter was born, how she had to spend two days in the NICU, despite coming to term. And that's a terrifying thing as a parent. So as a parent, 23 weeks, 30 weeks, wherever, when your child is facing a hardship, that's the, one of the scariest things you can ever go through, watching your child and wondering, is my child going to make it? So this sounds like a wonderful Invention, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, of course, I'm going to have something else to say in the opposite direction. But first, I, I mean that with all my heart as a parent. This is a wonderful thing. Now we can kick back, and I was talking with my wife tonight, and we we're saying, but it does seem kind of weird, you know. And in some aspects, it's like, well, it seems artificial, it seems fake, it seems scary. What if the baby's just not meant to make it? Are we cheating nature? Are we going against, you know, what's what's supposed to be? And again, I can make the argument, well, with every medical intervention that we do, we're technically going against what may or may not be, you know, meant to be. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of meant to be. But again, to a parent going through this, if this technology is available, I can guarantee they're going to want to use it because that's your child. And again, I think this is a very powerful and a beautiful thing. But now I'm going to take a step out of this. What's starting to come to light in the mainstream, number one, is the amount of human trafficking that's going on in the world. I saw a CNN report yesterday. They suspect 48 million people are imprisoned as slaves in some capacity throughout the world. And it's probably more than that. And a lot of children are victims of this slavery. What happens when we now have an artificial womb and whether we're using cloning technology, which I'm sure is out there, or we're using just straight-up artificial insemination, and I'm not saying we're at this point yet, but we're advancing pretty quickly. So within the next 5, 10, even 15, 20 years, what if we had the ability to take a, a fetus from the moment of inception, or I'm sorry, conception, and place it in an artificial womb and grow it to term? 
what could happen on the black market with that kind of technology because it could make it there if the price is right. So that's what goes to, comes to my mind. And what also comes to my mind is the discussions of merging with tech. How Elon Musk, among others, are talking about we need to merge with technology. Now we've got technology, we've got artificial wombs, and oh my gosh, I'm seeing that vision from the Matrix when the beginning scene when he realizes that he's trapped in some kind of artificial womb and that's where people are grown on farms. Now, Dennis, you're going off the deep end, but am I really? When we start to look at where technology is going, we're starting to see the advancements in AI that's coming out. So, yes, my mind goes there. And I'm going to get in a couple more stories with tech tonight, but I, I, want to, I'm going to, I might say this again. Technology and these advancements in the medical field and in robotics that I'm going to talk about, I think can be a great benefit to us. But before we go crazy and everybody starts buying whatever tech they're showing us, we need to seriously consider the costs. And we need to prepare for those costs. And I don't mean just financial costs. The impact and the change that it's going to have on society. Not, not to mention the jobs that it may affect if tech starts replacing jobs that people can normally do, which it's already doing, which it's been doing for decades. But now we're at points where this is drastic changes are coming with this technology. Not in 50 years. I'm talking right now. The tech is out there. These are things we need to be mindful of and we need to make sure, again, as consumers, we're using them in ways that are not just going to make life easier for us, but the ways that are going to benefit us and humanity. So in 50 years, we're not going to be saying, oh my gosh, what happened? How'd this get out of control? Take control now. All right, another story that I found interesting and relevant. This comes to us from The Telegraph. Robot dog makes first parcel delivery to house in Boston by Cara McGugan. Boston Dynamics has been putting its robotic dog to work delivering packages in Boston as part of a mission to find commercial uses for the machine. The company owned by Google has been testing ways to use the dexterous machines in different settings. Until now, the robots have only really been used in military settings. Called Spot, the four-legged version of Boston Dynamics Automation can jump, run, climb stairs, get back up if it falls, and perform human tasks such as housework. It can also now deliver packages strapped to its back, the company said. Taking our robot to employees' homes to see whether we could get in the various get in the various access ways, said Mark Ribert, founder of the chief executive of Boston Dynamics. We're doing very well about 70% of the way. I'm going to share this link in the show notes. It talks a little bit more about what they're doing with this. It's it's creepy to watch. I mean, this thing, it's a four-legged robot. That, I guess it kind of looks like a dog, but it's kind of weird looking. But it's got a fifth arm coming out of its back. And it, it walks right up to the kitchen sink, and it sticks the arm in the sink, picks up a glass, puts the glass in a dishwasher, and then it takes the arm out of the dishwasher, and it finds a soda can sitting on the counter, grabs the soda can, and puts it in the trash can. Nobody's controlling it. I mean, it just knows what to do. I mean, this is how smart this technology is getting right now. That's That's incredible, and it's incredibly scary. Now, this could be a great benefit to us, especially to somebody maybe who's elderly, who can't get around as much, maybe somebody who just doesn't want to do housework anymore. I, you know, I, I just spent the last 40 minutes doing dishes, you know, before I came down to do the show. Uh, so I would have loved to have a robot that's going to do those dishes. But again, 
at what cost? How much control are we giving them? What happens if a virus infects this robot and the robot slowly wants to go crazy and kill you or, or the robot malfunctions and it hurts your kids? I mean, all these things go through my head. But at the same time, I picture going on a growing on a trip grocery shopping and you got your arms full with kids and keys and everything, but you've got your little robot with you that jumps out of your car and goes and gets your bags and walks them back and puts them in your car for you. I mean, so that does make life easier. It does make it more convenient. It's when you start incorporating some of this AI and the potential dangers with the AI, or you start merging your own consciousness with tech, which I've covered in other shows as well, where that can be really, really scary stuff that could come down the way for us. So, but this is pretty neat. Check out the video. Uh, again, just take it with, with uh, you know, proceed with caution. Speaking of merging with tech, this one, again, comes to us from The Independent. This one we need to be very concerned about. New computers could delete thoughts without your knowledge, experts warn. New, humans, new human right laws are required to protect sensitive information in a person's mind from unauthorized collection, storage, use, or even deletion. Let's see. Uh, it starts out, Thou cannot touch the freedom of my mind, wrote playwright John Milton in 1634, but nearly 400 years later, technological advances in machines that can read our thoughts mean the privacy of our brain is under threat. Now two biomedical ethicists are calling for the creation of new human rights laws to ensure people are protected, including the right to cognitive liberty and the right to mental integrity. Scientists have already developed devices capable of telling whether people are politically right-wing or left-wing. In one experiment, researchers were able to read people's minds to tell with 70% accuracy whether they plan to add or subtract two numbers. Facebook also recently revealed it had been secretly working on technology to read people's minds so they could type by just thinking. And medical researchers have managed to connect part of a paralyzed man's brain to a computer to allow him to simulate muscles in his arm so he could move it and feed himself. The ethicist writing the paper in the journal Life Sciences, Society, and Policy stressed the unprecedented opportunities that would result from the ubiquitous distribution of cheaper, scalable, and easy-to-use neural applications that would make neurotechnology intricate embedded in our everyday life. It goes on to talk about the potential for abuse and maliciousness. They said they warned that malicious brain hacking and hazardous uses of medical neurotechnology could require a redefinition of the idea of mental integrity. It's scary stuff. Now, I just read an article. I don't have that article. And let me check. I don't have that up for me. I got to find it again. I'll have something similar to that, though. But where they're reading now, they're able to read thoughts, map thoughts, and determine based on your alpha wave or your brain wave patterns. I'm, I'm butchering this. Forgive me. What numbers you're thinking of. And they suspect, I think, maybe I covered this one in the other show, a couple years, they're going to be able to completely read people's thoughts. Now, I have been warning about this since before this stuff started coming out in the mainstream the way it's coming out. For about the last year or two, I've been talking about this based on my experience with the electromagnetic field and gathering psychic data and my own research into that field and that possibility. We now have technology mirroring or starting to mirror what we ourselves are capable of doing. And that's why I've said that's where I come to my whole thesis talking about, well, we're capable of reading this information. We're capable of implanting this information in the brain. So people's minds are able to be manipulated. They did a whole show on technology that manipulates human thought and human behavior. Go back and look for that one as well, Mind Control Technology. This stuff seems to be all coming to a head really, really fast. Are, it, they're warning that thoughts 
could be deleted without your knowledge. Now, let's jump into a different direction and think of the accounts of abductions you know, that some people refer to as alien abduction. They have missing time. So, again, technology is catching up with the lore, with the myth, with the supposed crazy conspiracy stories, but now technology is catching up to replicate some of the conditions that people report when this happens. Is that an indication of some kind of advanced intelligence that already has this ability to do that and we're just now starting to catch up to that civilization i I don't know but again it 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 really makes you think is there more to this stuff than just some crazy story that comes out of somebody who claims to have had an abduction for the record i don't think you're crazy at all here's another one again from the independent mind reading breakthrough allows scientists to quote talk to locked in syndrome patients experiment and allowed researchers to read the minds of totally paralyzed people for patients who are unable to speak move or blink have communicated they are quote happy after a successful attempt was made to read their thoughts the discovery was made during a groundbreaking experiment aimed at piercing the wall of silence that surrounds victims of completely locked in syndrome Patients are said to be completely locked in when their mental faculties are preserved, but they are also so paralyzed that even eye movement is impossible. To find a way of communicating with such individuals, the Swiss-led international team of scientists developed a form of thought reading based on a system that measures blood oxygen levels and electrical activity in the brain. There's electrical activity again. Think yes or no to specific personal questions triggered changes correlating with brain activity that could be translated by a computer. When the patients were repeatedly asked, are you happy, over a period of several weeks, all four consistently answered yes. One patient, a 68-year-old woman, entered a locked-in state in 2009 and had been completely locked in since 2010. All four have been diagnosed with amotrophic lateral sclerosis, or motor neuro disease, neuron disease, which over time left them totally paralyzed. So, again, look, here's an incredible benefit to this technology. So I'm not anti-tech. When I hear this, I think this is wonderful. I have someone in my family who suffered a stroke, and this technology would be amazing if we could read her thoughts so she could better communicate with us. I, 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 I can see this helping so many people. But again, it will, not if, it will also get in the wrong hands and be used nefariously. And that's something, again, we need to be mindful. Does the cost outweigh the benefit? Because, and again, I suspect this is already going on as well in my other shows that I've talked about. But again, here we go. It's in the mainstream. This is what's out there. This is what's what's coming now into the public arena. Chances are, I'm, I'm totally throwing this out there, but I, I do believe that there's some deep, dark, dark government program that has all this stuff times 10, but now it's coming out into the public arena. So this is stuff we need to be mindful of. This is stuff we need to be thinking about because when I say it's coming, I don't mean it's coming in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's here. It's going to be impacting our lives now. The question is, how are we going to allow it to impact our lives? How are we going to dictate the changes that are already happening around us? We're the consumers. We have the power. Don't forget it. Read up on it. Think about it. Think about how you can use it safely and effectively. Think about how you can defend yourself from it if somebody takes advantage of it and tries to hack it and use it against you. That's all the time I have this week uh, for this episode of The Secret Podcast. I really appreciate you all taking the time to listen. I know my 
my timing has been a little off over the last month or so. Things are starting to calm down. Hopefully within the next couple of weeks I'll have my normal schedule back in. I promise you it is going to get back on track. This show is very important to me. I think we have a lot of neat, relevant stuff that's going on. Like I said, there's big things coming with a newer platform that we're putting together. If you're interested in being a part of that that team, please reach out to me through serviceofchange.com. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to my newsletter. The Secret Newsletter comes out usually every week. You'll get access to read my free ebook, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. That gets to the core of what I'm doing here and why I'm doing it. I would love it if you read it. Um, everybody that's read it has told me, yep, I've had these experiences. I've had these thoughts. It was a clear way to uh, express that. It really gives you a unique perspective on a lot of this stuff in a small, concise way. Uh, you know, it's a quick read. And it's the warm-up, the intro to Food for the Archons that, believe it or not, I'm still working on it, but it is it is on its way. Uh, and as always, subscribe through SoundCloud, subscribe to iTunes so you can stay connected. Uh, I'd love to tell you to subscribe to the Facebook feed, but that's been such a mess right now with Facebook algorithms and things of that nature. The best way to stay connected and make sure you're getting all the information that's coming out through this platform is by subscribing to the newsletter. That's, that's a guarantee. That's a sure thing right there. Okay, that's all the time I have. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been The Secret Podcast with Service of Change, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Thank you.